At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. My favorite plant to grow in my yard is the fruit tree because you plant it once and you get fruit for decades. If you have ever been curious on the best ways to be successful in growing fruit trees, today is your lucky day. Why? Because my team and I have compiled our best interviews and videos in one place to assist you in growing your own toe-tingling peaches and awesome apples right out your front or back door. Plus, as an added bonus, we've included an in-depth guide to successfully growing fruit trees in your yard. To get access to this information, it's free by the way, just go to urbanorchard.org or text FRUIT to 33444. That's urbanorchard.org or text FRUIT to 33444. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the Grow Your Own Food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Andrew Millison of Permaculture Design International and Oregon State University to talk about his experience with scaling up permaculture. Andrew has been studying, teaching, and practicing permaculture since he took his first permaculture design course in 1996. He began teaching permaculture design at the college level in 2001 and has been an instructor at Oregon State University in the horticulture department since 2009. Andrew currently teaches the permaculture design course at OSU on campus and online. Andrew first learned permaculture design in the drylands of Arizona, where he studied for his undergraduate and master's degrees at Prescott College, focusing on rainwater harvesting, gray water systems, and desert agriculture. In recent years, his focus has been more broad-scale farm planning, permaculture housing developments, and obtaining water rights. In 2015, he founded Permaculture Design International, a collaborative design firm that works on large-scale global projects. Plus, he runs a free intro to permaculture course that has had over 20,000 enrollments to date. Congratulations on that, by the way. Welcome to the show today, Andrew. Thanks, Greg. Great to be here. Absolutely. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now? Yeah. Well, in the intro, you said that I studied permaculture in Arizona, and that's where I met you probably yeah. 20, 20 years, years ago, ago or yeah. so. Uh, yeah. And um, I studied permaculture in Tucson, Arizona with Barbara Rose and oh, Brad Lancaster. Yeah. And, nice. Yeah. At the Dancing Rocks or Talking Rocks. Yep, Dancing so, Rocks, Permaculture Rock, Site. Yep. Eco Village, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I initially was drawn to permaculture because uh, 
I just wanted to know how to actually live in the world. Yeah. I grew up in the city in Philadelphia, and at a certain point in my life, I realized that I had all of these city skills, but I'd never... Uh, knew, I never learned anything about self-reliance, about feeding myself and about right. um, housing myself and giving myself water. And so that's what really drew me to permaculture and ecological design, studying plants and studying uh, indigenous ways of doing things. And so um, Prescott College is really the, the, a great platform for uh, learning all of that stuff. Yeah. And so I had a, a, a really rich time there uh, in Prescott and took a permaculture class and then took an advanced permaculture class with Tim Murphy down in southeast right. Arizona, yeah. and I was hooked, basically. <laughs> yeah, and I was just like, permaculture, this is the way, this is the medicine for the planet. Yeah. This is what we need, and I want to dedicate my life to learning more practicing this mm -hmm. and and bringing actualizing permaculture in the third dimension here and creating the systems and seeing them work and wow. you know raising children in it and mm -hmm. the whole thing yeah yeah wow so cool i didn't realize this you and i have all the same teachers yeah i'm sure yeah right. tim and barbara <laughs> and brad and yeah, yeah. cool Fantastic. yeah that's the, the scion the, the arizona scion, scion of the permaculture yeah. tree exactly yeah. Exactly. So for our listeners that don't know what permaculture is, yeah. share, share, share what your definition and your meaning of permaculture is. Yeah. Well, my, my farmer's market definition, or, you know, you might say the elevator definition yeah. is it's a, it's a sustainable land design system. Mm -hmm. That's somewhat of an oversimplification, but it gets the point across to someone who has never heard the word before. It's a design system that creates sustainable, resilient, regenerative human habitations, human settlements, and mm -hmm. provides for all of the needs that people require to live while maintaining a harmonious relationship with nature, while mm -hmm. actually benefiting nature in the process. That's where yeah. the regenerative piece would come in. Say more about that. Yeah, so, I mean, sustainable is one thing. We, we sustain where we're at here, but yeah. regenerative is where things actually, you create systems that actually get better over time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you plant a fruit tree and that tree grows and it no longer needs your, your care to establish it and it grows and it provides fruit, even, you know, one day I will die and the fruit trees that I have planted are still producing fruit. Isn't that cool? It's actually, it's actually regenerative. It actually creates more energy yeah. than uh, it took to establish. One of the things I've discovered, and I hate to say it most recently because I did my first permaculture design course in, in 1991, uh, and this thing that I've discovered most recently is that lack doesn't live in the world except between our ears. Yep. When I look at nature, there is so much abundance. You know, the apple yep. tree in my yard or the peach tree in my yard, it gives me an, you know, almost an obscene amount of, of fruit. Yeah. And have you found that? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you say, you know, lack only lives between our ears because mm -hmm. it really, at this point, permaculture has demonstrated really incredibly abundant and productive systems in almost every 
climate zone and the planet and yeah. urban and rural areas such a wide range of successes that the thing that is keeping us from creating a garden of Eden on this yeah. planet is the thing that's between our ears yeah. uh, and also between our our between our tummy and our head as well our yeah. heart yeah so yeah at this point you know i think a lot of the work in permaculture is just just is just pure inspiration yeah. to inspire the will of people to put this into place yeah uh, because so many of the systems have been articulated and built and proven to be successful mm -hmm. yeah because they're based on nature yeah that's right yeah i like to call uh, permaculture the art and science of working with nature rather than against nature yeah that's so, a great one yeah. and i remember um uh barbara rose's definition uh a wonderful definition was applied common sense <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. so you teach permaculture design courses now yes Mm-hmm. So, tell yeah, I've been doing that since uh, 2001. I, I started teaching at, per, at Prescott College. Right. I taught the permaculture design course. There was a month-long design course. Right. Um, I taught that for 10 years there, as well as the ECOSA Institute, another really great oh, ecological right. yes, design I remember school. That. Yeah. So tell, yeah. Our, tell our listeners what a permaculture design course is and how they might be able to find one in the world if they're in, I don't know, Tennessee or you know, wherever. Yeah. Well, a permaculture design course is a course that, and typically it's a fairly intense time frame, mm -hmm. and it lays out the design system and gives you the tools to create a permaculture design in whatever climate zone you live in. So my permaculture design course is actually focused on the design project from day one, mm, where right. each, yes, where really students get in there and they go through this whole process of pattern observation, uh, site analysis, and then design. Uh, and oftentimes you have a lot of hands-on implementation within a, a site-based design course, so you are ready to actually put permaculture into place. Um, I teach uh, site-based courses. Like right now I'm teaching a class at Oregon State University in the mm -hmm. horticulture department. I also teach online courses which don't have the hands-on component, but it's very intellectually intensive. Uh -huh. And students go through a 10-week design process on the site where they're located, and they go through the whole online curriculum to create their nice. design with yeah with like one-on-one -on -one mentorship with nice. a with an instructor nice also yeah. you know if you're if you want to do a live course pretty much anywhere in the world now if you put the name of a major city in your area and permaculture design course something's going to come up yeah because there's permaculture courses all over the planet yeah. you know, increasingly so yeah increasingly yeah. so i love 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 that so yeah. i, I want to kind of call call out something you said you said pattern observation can you speak yeah. to pattern and pattern language and in in nature and permaculture how does that all fit together yeah i mean a lot of what you had actually said you're talking about well permaculture is, is about nature is about mimicking nature it's mm -hmm. like when we look at a uh, uh, natural systems we see systems like a forest a forest grows indefinitely uh with abundance and diversity of species and soil building and nobody's coming in and aerial spraying fertilizers <laughs> right. on the forest or anything like that you know so we're like how does a forest function and how can we actually mimic our own agriculture systems 
after the qualities of the forest that make it so resilient Mm -hmm. and that cycle nutrients through. So, you know, and and what are the patterns that water flow through the the land? Mm. And how can we actually, in our designs, actually enhance the patterns that water flow, the way in which water flows through the land, enhance the hydrology um, of a site? Mm -hmm. You know, how can we build soil in a more uh, passive way just by rotating animals Mm -hmm. and just by the seed that we throw down? So, you know, that pattern observation is, is a key to developing pattern literacy. And when we understand mm. the basics of how things function in the world, then that informs us and our designs can use that information to create these regenerative, resilient, and abundant systems. Yeah. So that sounds like a big thing. That, you know, the whole thing sounds like, you know, a task that somebody has to take on for a lifetime, for a, a large project. But permaculture, I mean, it can be applied to your day-to-day life, can it not? Yeah, I mean, the the way to start that's actually achievable where you feel like you're getting successes is just starting small, just starting outside your kitchen window and mm. planting a herb garden so you can run out there while your soup's cooking, snatch some rosemary and throw it in there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's there it, it's applicable at all scales. Yeah. And so, every you know, there has to be a, an entry point where people feel like they can begin this work. And mm-hmm. what I find and, and what I found for myself and through other all the different people that I've worked with gotten involved in permaculture is the the feedback that you get from establishing even a small permaculture system somewhere between your house and your car door, your front your nice. your car door and the front door of your house, yeah. right? It's like yeah. like the the fulfillment you get to from actually producing some of what you need on mm-hmm. your own uh, and and seeing that grow and thrive, um, I mean, first off, you produce actual sustenance like food, but you also have, uh, you produce empowerment for yourself to expand the permaculture systems yeah. that are, you know, that, that are surrounding you. Yeah. Well, and I've yeah. even designed my life as a permaculture life. I have my office in the house, so I'm sitting here at the urban farm, mm-hmm. and, you know, my commute in the morning literally is from you know, the kitchen where I just had breakfast and about 35 feet into my office. Nice. And I call that a, you know, a permaculture design because I'm, uh, it's, it's lessening my impact on the world. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm similar in a way where, um, I mean, I, I go into Oregon state university, not every day by any means, but when I teach class there, I can just ride my bike there, oh, uh, which nice. is good exercise. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, I mean, mostly teaching online courses. I'm mostly doing that for my own, home and then when i need to take a break from work i just go out and garden do chores yeah i know walk yeah Yeah, nice and then i so the other day it was a particularly stressful day a couple of weeks ago and heidi my sweetheart was sitting in the office with me and i had uh, um, janice here who schedules the podcast and that kind of stuff and i was just fried and so i stood up and i said listen guys i'm going out in the backyard and i'm going to lay in the grass it was yeah. so nice to have that, you know, ability to do that right here. Yeah. Um, so I'll often yeah. do that or I'll go garden or I'll walk around the yard in my bare feet and, and, you know, I just reconnect myself. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm on a third of an acre here in Corvallis, Oregon, and this is my, my home. And then I have other projects 
around the neighborhood and oh nice it's pretty i mean i know i've been to your place it's pretty astounding yeah how much food you can grow oh my gosh in a small yeah area yeah 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 if you have 100 square feet you can grow a lot of food especially yeah. if you're working with nature on it yeah exactly yeah yeah cool so what have you done to scale up permaculture in your life yeah well there's a few different directions i've taken um, simultaneously. Mm -hmm. One of them is working with large-scale property owners. I had a person who I helped to find a couple farms who was an investor who needed to purchase property. So he purchased a 200-acre a and a 280-acre farm um, in the area uh, surrounding the town that I live in. Wow. And so for one thing, um, I've become like kind of the designer, developer, property manager these two locations. Oh, wow. And um, yeah, bringing in different operations to lease parts of the farm. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's brought me out of the level of the homesteader hobby farmer right. into the, the level of how do we actually make this economically viable, mm -hmm. right? Because my investor friend, oh, I, I, he does care about the earth and wants to see good things happen with his money, but also the numbers have to work out and it has to be economically feasible, profitable for the operators and profitable for the farm. Right. So that's been really fascinating for me on a, on a land level, on a networking and informational level. I've been working at the university long enough that they sponsored the creation of a MOOC, which is a massive open online course, oh, an intro nice. to permaculture. Yeah. Nice. So like you were saying, we, um, let's see, we've had about, this is this, I'm currently running it right now. Uh-huh. And it's the second time I've run it. So those two times combined, we're at almost 24,000 students from all over the planet are taking this free intro wow. course. Yeah. It's one month long, 12 to 16 hours. Uh, the university, I mean, they actually... For them, they see this as uh, investment in their um, outreach and engagement, yeah. advertising, just to kind of get their name out there. Service and work. So, yeah, it's like, and also it's a land grant university, so they actually oh, have in their charter to, yeah, to to educate the public. And so, they've put a lot of resources. We developed these interactive mapping tools. We developed a whole bunch of presentations, put a lot of time into creating links and creating uh, assignments and discussions. And I think it's actually a pretty, a pretty holistic presentation of the permaculture, of the basics of the permaculture design system. Mm -hmm. It's accessible to anyone. So I guess I, I feel like wow. I feel like I've been given this place where I was able to go to college. I'm able to talk to people. Mm -hmm. I was able to work in a university. And so I feel like that privilege that I have, this is kind of how I'm using it. This is how I'm giving back to the world yeah. is creating free education for the masses that's yeah. high quality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Larry Santoyo, oh, a friend of mine, permaculture teacher in the country, yeah. he talks about. I know Larry. Yeah. He, he ta you know, he talks about doing epics out in the world, right? Yeah, he's just a, an expletive out of the ep, after the epic part, and mm -hmm. so and I took that from him oh maybe twenty years ago, and I and I look for epic things in the world. I have to say, 
that is epic. If you put 24,000 people through an introduction to permaculture course online, that's epic. That's truly epic. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and it feels it feels epic actually mm-hmm. because because like right now I'm going into the course and just looking at all the different places people are from and and the Oh, I'll bet. and the what they're sharing and the just the conversations between other students and mm-hmm. it's like Wow, I guess I, I'm like, okay, we've scaled up to that point, and then where? How can we scale up from there? Yeah, you know, two hundred and fifty thousand so. next, baby. Yeah, I know two hundred fifty thousand. <laughs> that would be great. Well, we have we're running the class again in in May. Nice. So, and then um, so we ran it. You know, we we created it, and we'll run it three times this year. We've also um, we are about to publish it as an ebook. So without the interactive mapping oh, tools, nice. but as just a book with all the video links, so uh, someone doesn't have to take the course, but they can still get the information. Right. And then we're looking at future projects. We're looking at translating it into other languages, oh. um, and we're looking at creating. More. I, I feel like my hi, my highest uh, use in a university setting, where I have at this point access to amazing resources. resources to be able to do this yeah access to resources that the highest thing i could do with that position that i've gotten myself into is to create free content dude you're giving me chills <laughs> that even makes it more epic your 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 why behind it mm. wow good for you yeah. man well i mean part of it's uh, i guess part of it yeah part of it's like inspiration and part of it's desperation Right? Okay, say of, more about that. Yes, I, I completely hear you. But... Of like, how do we, how do we get this information out there? How do we evolve our species mm-hmm. so we can actually face the pressures of population and climate and water and, and politics? Politics. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's like more than ever. Yeah, I don't. I don't know when you're going to air this. Of course, this is this is the morning after uh, Trump won the election. Yeah. So. Um, you know, I've been thinking just this morning, I've been like, whoa, you know, we need, <laughs> we need a, a paradigm shift in consciousness. Like we need earth-based yeah. consciousness where we yeah. are, where our actions, our governance, our society is in harmony with planetary systems. We needed it. We need it now more than ever. ever. Yeah. Uh, but this is the same thing I felt before I even took my permaculture design course 20 years ago. Right. I mean, the early nineties, I had the same, like oh my God, we have to... We have to do something here. Get Yeah, we have to get the good word out there. At yeah, this point. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So what are some examples of how permaculture systems are scaling up throughout the planet? Yeah, there's, there's a few really shining examples right now that inspire me a lot. One of them is the work of Terragenesis International, TGI, Ethan Rowland and um, Gregory Landouet and who are working with regenerative supply chains Ooh. where they're taking they're taking companies that are using a lot of resources one of their big clients that I, I saw a talk by the by them about this is lush cosmetics out of the UK that does natural cosmetics and they extract a lot of material from forests to mm-hmm. make their cosmetic pro- products. Right. So 
they are actually going on this whole design where their supply chains and the places, the ways that they're getting their the raw material for their products are actually regenerating ecosystems and regenerating social systems of the people wow. that live there. So that's really that's been a really inspiring one. Um, another one I heard about when I was in at the International Permaculture Conference in the UK uh-huh. in 2015. That's where I saw the Lush Cosmetics presentation. Right, exactly. I also, yeah, I also saw um, Ramis Kent, who's one of the directors of Permaculture Research Institute, talking about how they had been uh, approved by the UN as an aid organization to address the massive desertification of of land on this planet mm-hmm. and how and and the UN was finally realizing that desertification and political and economic and social instability were tied together. Yeah, right? thanks. For us permaculturists that's just very obvious. Yeah, exactly. If the land is impoverished, the people are impoverished and conflict ensues. Mm-hmm. Uh but the UN made that connection and uh is looking at permaculture as one of the main you know tools in their toolbox and so that's really inspiring there uh, and then the third one would be the work of John D Liu who um, has made these amazing films hope for a changing climate uh, and a whole bunch of other ones about some of the reforestation work happening in China on the mm. Los Plateau, mm-hmm. uh, in Rwanda, in Ethiopia. I mean, he's traveled all over the planet documenting the effects of reforestation on watersheds, on water supply, on social structures mm-hmm. and soil stability, and just really larger scale projects than anything that individuals can undertake yeah yeah so that's that's when i when i see that stuff i'm like things things are scaling up in a lot of directions and the capacity is is very great for that nice yeah nice nice so in in permaculture we have concepts that we do that we work in and around what's your favorite one and how would you apply it in, in your third of an acre yeah. So my very favorite permaculture principle is design from patterns to details. Mm-hmm. So we look at the patterns of how sun moves through the landscape here. And in, on my place, the attention to solar sectors mm. where the sunny and shady spots are uh, is very important. I'm at 45 degrees north latitude. And oh, wow. So yeah, so sun, I think you guys are at about 20? 30. Oh, maybe not. No, you're like, I know Prescott was 35, oh. so you're probably at like 34 or something. Yeah, exactly. Thereabouts. Um, so sun is really at a premium a lot of the year yeah. in Oregon, in the, especially in the, in the fall and springtime. So this great pattern of how the earth tilts and orbits around the sun and the sun angles change in the season influences the small details of the placement of plants, the placement of windows on my structure, where I put my water harvesting Mm. tanks, Mm -hmm. where I plant trees. And so, yeah, so patterns to details as a, as a permaculture principle really encapsulates the, the 
big picture of the design system, yeah, in my opinion. My favorite one is stacking functions. You want to speak a little bit about that? Yeah, stacking functions. So every element that you put in the landscape should have multiple functions to it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my water harvesting tank I'm looking at right out the window here, it's also a heat sink for the adjacent plants. It doesn't mm-hmm. just store water, it stores thermal mass. Yeah. It's also a screen from the road, um, so it gives me privacy, right? It's also a place that I can uh, climb up on in order to get access to a utility box. Oh, uh, right. And it, then it also, the overflow feeds uh, the pond right in front of it, oh, the small yeah. pond. So it just has this multiple functions uh, other than just simply storing Sorry, water. water. Yeah. 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 My favorite one's the chicken. You know, it yeah. eats weeds, it eats bugs, it poops for us, gives me fertilizer, and gives me eggs every day. Yep. So, Love fantastic. So, before we transition to the next part of the podcast, I want you to tell me about Permaculture Design International and what you do there. Thanks. Yeah. So, myself and a number of my colleagues got together and we said, what one person can do on their own, the, the type of project that we can take on is limited. But if we could get together and form a design collective, a partnership, mm-hmm. then we can take on projects that are at a larger scale. So we could be comparable to a landscape architecture firm where we could approach, be approached by larger clients. And so we just, in, in 2015, started this firm and we've already had uh, a number of design jobs we've done Uh, one of them we did a a feasibility study for the purchase of 36,000 acres on Maui the old A and B sugar um, plantation that was closing down Uh and so we were able to pull our expertise on that one did somebody end up up buying it Uh, I think that's all still in motion it's a pretty it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, no kidding. Because yeah. I know that on Maui, they've, haven't they taken the stand on Maui that they want to do things organic and, and uh, you know, naturally? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, this, this sugar plantation was basically founded by the people who originally stole Hawaii. Yeah. And so this has been there since the very beginning of colonization, and mm-hmm. it basically went bankrupt. And so they've been trying to figure out what to do with that property. There's lots of different entities, I believe, that are interested in doing different things in the property. But Mm -hmm. one of those entities hired us to create a study of what it would look like to do regenerative agriculture at that scale on that property. Nice. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing that is really a bigger endeavor than any one of us could take on on our own. And, And we're spread around geographically. And a lot of the people in my design firm um, travel quite a bit in different mm-hmm. places around the world. So we, our intent is to scale up where we can take on projects uh, at a larger scale um, and have some in, in the, have have some legitimacy as a professional design firm yeah. in the eyes of bigger clients. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Congratulations. That's Thank uh... you. Yeah. Pull, really. I mean, like pulling our expertise because oh, there's yeah. eight of us. And so each person has their yeah. own facet or, or, or climate zone that they have expertise in. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, when we get two, three, four, five heads in on a project. Amazing um, things happen. 
Yeah, it yeah. makes it way, way more yeah. of a potent yeah. design force. Yeah, I'm working with Bill McDormand, Bell Star, and Kari Spencer on a project right now called the Great American Seed Up. And uh-huh. we did our event just recently. It's a live event um, that we do here in Phoenix. And what I noticed in doing the event was that if one of the pieces, if one of the pieces called Kari, Bill, Bell, or I were missing, we couldn't have pulled it off. Yeah. You know, it's like there's there's this yeah. collaborative magic that happens yep. when you put multiple people together on a project yep. like this. Bell, Bell Star. You're talking about Bell Star? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. She was my, uh, she was one of my, my teachers nice. at Presky College. Yeah. Nice, 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 yeah. nice. So I'm going to shift on you and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you might have learned from it. Yeah. I can think of a real landscaping failure Ooh, that I, tell me. I, I had a design build company in Prescott, mm-hmm. Arizona for a long time. And I had a client and we wanted to create a whole oasis. She lived on the top of this hill. And so we channeled all of the gray water through a branch drain system into this, uh, into this basin. It was also collecting all the rainwater and we did plantings that were really going to appreciate all that water. Now the branch drain system is one for the gray water that you can that there's this the water falls into this bucket so it's like this open cavity Mm. right so you can you can pull it you can inspect it really easily to make sure the pipes aren't clogged or anything like that yeah and one of the great things is that roots won't travel through open space space, to get into the pipe Mm -hmm. right so i planted this this yellow bamboo around there and no one ever came and really, after a while, we left, and nobody ever really checked inside the gray water system. Uh-huh. Well, it turns out that roots will travel Whoa. through an open cavity. Really? So the roots of this yellow bamboo. So basically, the woman was taking a shower one day, and a root of bamboo literally came up through the drain and grabbed her ankle and tried to pull her down. Oh my no, gosh! I'm just kidding. No, not really. I'm just joking. <laughs> okay. But, uh, but they did realize that the drain became clogged, uh-huh. and they opened it up, and they realized that the bamboo roots had had actually crossed through this open space and wow. grew like twenty feet up into the, the pipes pipe. of this gray water system, and they had to completely rip out the whole thing oh in gosh. order to get these roots out. And yeah. um, I. I consider that a yeah. failure, and I, I guess I learned what I learned is, is is that you hear a lot of stuff, and you hear a lot of rules, mm-hmm. like roots don't travel through open space. I've and been saying it for years. They're just not necessarily true because <laughs> we're dealing Michael with Polarski, nature. Yeah, permaculture teacher. He has this thing. He says the the opposite is also true. Like when you get dogmatic about something, oh yeah, you will often be surprised at how wrong you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I never say always yeah. in in the the realm of nature because then it surprises us. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, wow, that whole cat, when I saw it, I was like, wow, the whole bucket is completely full wow. of one giant root mass. That's yeah. a, I was like, that's very impressive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't know that could happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, hey, it's the way nature works. Yeah. So what do you consider your biggest success? 
well, I feel like creating this massive open online course right now mm-hmm. is, as far as educationally, is the pinnacle of what I've, like everything that I have done in permaculture for the last 20 years has yeah. enabled me to be able to spread permaculture at that level. So that right now feels like my greatest success professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as a installation project, I spent two and a half years building the orchard and vineyard for Maynard Keenan, the lead singer of Tool oh, over in Jerome. I remember that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so that was the biggest single like installation project I've ever done. And uh-huh. it was very grueling building stone terraces for two and a half years. And that feels like for me on the, on the physical level, that feels like my greatest yeah. success. And then, you know, ultimately like my, my kids, I love yeah. my kids so much and my family. And so that feels like on the, on the emotional, spiritual level, it feels like my family and, and how much we love each other seems like yeah. a really big success. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So uh, given that, what drives you? Why, why do you do what you do? I had this feeling when I was a teenager, I had like an experience where I felt like, okay, I am, I, I'm a special agent for the earth, you know, and I am here to help this planet to be a harmonious place and an abundant place. And people are here on this planet to enjoy life and to have plenty and to um, share the bounty. And so I realized at a young age that I wanted to actually help the earth and I wanted to help people. And so permaculture, once I discovered permaculture, I was like, oh, this is the tool to accomplish this. This is the actual, the design system and there's, it's already in place. And so I'm driven by just a desire for, for goodness, Mm -hmm. a desire to feel good about what I'm doing, a desire to see goodness and growth and abundance around me. And, and like I started off this conversation talking about permaculture being the medicine for this planet. And, you know, right now we have so many issues and stresses, environmental, social, political, and permaculture just remains, continues to remain this, this potent medicine to heal so many of these ailments. And so, yeah. And so way that the, the, the permaculturist becomes a a medicine person, (laughs) right? Yeah. Nice. So that's it. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So I'm all about education, and I have to know, is there one book that has been influential for you in this process in your life? Yeah, my, my favorite book of all times is The Fifth Sacred Thing by Starhawk. Oh my gosh, yes, of course. Yeah, it totally wow. was instrumental. In, and you know, I, it's funny because she came out 20 years later, so last year she came out with the sequel. The sequel is The City of Refuge, and it's just as good as The Fifth mm. Sacred Thing. And I'm actually rereading it right now. Yep. And especially like with the election and everything that just happened, I'm like, wow, this book is so relevant. If there's any, if there's any fictional novel that gives us some sort of guidance about how to come to peace with these very, very vastly different 
political and spiritual paradigms, mm-hmm. this book is a really good guide for that. And I highly recommend it to anybody. Both of them? Yeah, both yeah. of them for sure. The Fifth Sacred Thing and The City of Refuge by Starhawk. But you have to read The Fifth Sacred Thing first. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, it's been a long yeah. time since I read that. I'm going to go back and revisit go, it. Go for it. Reread yeah. it. And you got to read the sequel. Really. Oh yeah, well that that yeah, that's cool. kind of lit the fire under me in that moment. It's like, yep. she's got another one out. Cool. So, what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? Gosh, it's a, it's a, like I said, it's an interesting day for these kinds of things mm-hmm. because our whole country is in shock right now. Um, either either in good shock or yeah, in bad shock, exactly. depending where you fall. Exactly. Um, yeah, my advice is don't get swept up by what the media tells you you should be doing or Mm -hmm. feeling. Mm -hmm. Check in with yourself and be empowered in your own hands with your own voice, right? And, Mm -hmm. And your own shovel and your garden and like be an empowered person and go and make the world a better place right where you are in your community, in your family, do it. Don't wait for some sort of top-down, you know, to tell you how or what to do. Permaculture is a tool, and you can take that, and you can go out, and you can make a positive benefit right right now. Right now. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us today, Andrew. It has been a treat getting to chat with you. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? Well, I have a number of different websites. My design firm is permacultureintl.com. Mm-hmm. My Oregon State online permaculture course, uh, I think it, it's sort of a long web address. If you just Google Oregon State permaculture or Oregon State permaculture online course, anything mm-hmm. like that, It'll come um, you'll, yeah, you'll come up with that. Yeah. And then the MOOC, just if you Google OSU free permaculture class, you'll come up with the MOOC. I don't know when you're publishing this. We do still have enrollment open until November 18th cool. um, for this one. But like I said, we'll run it again in May, yeah. and you can sign up. We'll have the sign-ups continual. Fantastic. Yes. Fantastic. That's, and another website that I have collaboratively with one, my uh, friend Marisha Auerbach is permaculturerising.com. Perfect. Perfect. So you can find out all of these on the show notes page from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org backslash Andrew Millison. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. My favorite plant to grow in my yard is the fruit tree because you plant it once and you get fruit for decades. If you have ever been curious on the best ways to be successful in growing fruit trees, today is your lucky day. Why? Because my team and I have compiled our best interviews and videos in one place to assist you in growing your own toe-tingling peaches and awesome apples right out your front or back door. Plus, as an added bonus, we've included an in-depth guide to successfully growing fruit trees in your yard. To get access to this information, It's free, by the way. Just go to urbanorchard.org or text FRUIT to 33444. That's urbanorchard.org or text FRUIT to 33444. 
We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.